Welcome to Trapping Radio. This is your host, Clint Locklear, and we're going to be talking about everything from coyotes to raccoons to fox to otter today and, and some different things. We're also going to talk about what should be one of your main functions as you learn, as you grow as a trapper. And we're going to talk about what else we got on the notes. All oh, selling selling glands, caster, saving meat, different things like that. And we'll learn what Jeff has found out is one of the most important things to getting on an ATV. What I want to talk about, guys, on the Manstrom podcast that I upload before this, I talk about the difference between conservatives and liberals. And not in a negative type way, it's just a totally different type way. Now, this is not a political show at all, but... I just got a text from Tim, Meat Trapper, and we're in a group with some guys, and this is, I guess, Twitter, and you want to know why you have such a hard time as a trapper talking to people about wildlife management, why we trap, different things. You want to know why it's so hard, so hard, to talk to people about politics. It's because I've, I've absolutely come to the conclusion that unless you're talking to someone about what they do for a living or their hobby, you're probably going to, the person you're talking to is probably going to have the IQ of a three-year-old past that point. Now, we've all seen the stuff on YouTube and and uh, different videos and TikTok and Facebook where, you know, you just, people walk up to strangers on the street. What are the three branches of government? No idea. Who fought in the Civil War? I just listened to one of these things. And most college kids thought it was China and America that fought in the Civil War, our Civil War, 1865 Civil War. They don't know who we fought in World War II. They can't point out Afghanistan or Iraq on a map, even though we've been in war there for 20-something years. And it just shows the absolute ignorance of a population. Now, what's scary about that is, I do believe we get what we deserve. I believe you get what you deserve in your life. I believe you earn the money that you deserve to make. I believe that you build the business that you're going to build because you're going to do or not do whatever it is and you're going to get exactly what you deserve. I believe if you, you know, treat your body like a dumpster your whole life, you're going to have problems and that's what you deserve because you've done that. I'm afraid we may get what we deserve. So, a lot of people, I'm sure, I didn't watch the uh, Trump debate with Biden, this last one that was in Nashville. I did not watch it live. I recorded it, and me and my wife watched it the day after, the morning after, and uh, while I was drinking coffee. And the most amazing thing happened when I got this text, this group text with Tim in it. And he's showing Twitter. I believe this is Twitter. I'm pretty sure it's Twitter. I've got a Twitter account, uh, WoofferNation.com or something. I set it up because I thought maybe for business purposes, I've never posted. I never go look at it. I, it's just, to me, when I hear what people, when I, what I just saw, I would feel like Twitter is a place that you would feel like you got walked away with vomit in your face after you do it. So I personally do not deal with Twitter. Do not. But in the debate, and, and, and just, just so you know, just, I want everybody to understand what you're trying, what your vote is being uh, blocked with is, is certain people that have no concept of the reality of the world that they live in. None. They don't pay attention to anything except who's famous, you know, Who's, what's what music is hot, you know, if they're going to be whapping or whatever's going on that's, you know, popular. They don't, besides that, they really don't know. I've talked to several people and I'm always stunned how unintelligent, intelligent people seem to be when you get out of anything that's not their job and not their particular hobby that they spend time on. 
it's like their brain just gets erased of everything in the world around them. So I want to read some of this stuff off Twitter. So when, so when you are talking with someone about Trump or not Trump, whatever your, your opinion is, this is what you're dealing with. Now, what Trump said in the debate was, because the moderator, which I thought actually did a pretty fair job of it, um, kept control of Biden and um, Trump pretty well. You know, it's uh, it, it wasn't like the first debate where it's like grumpy old men throwing, you know, having a food fight or something. It was a little bit better. I thought Trump did a good job. And, by, and the, the, the lady that was hosting this brought up 500 kids that they can't figure out who their parents are that's been brought across the border. Now, the border talk's been talked about all the way up through, even when Obama was in, it was talked about some under George Bush. It was really cranked up five years ago with Trump, or four years, and then we've had the three years of all the stuff about build the wall and all that type stuff. So it's not like this is a, a super secret action that only the few in the know know. It's coyotes, which is a slang for people in Mexico that illegally bring people across the border. That term has been used in all kind of movies. It's been used by politicians. It's been used on the news. It's been used everywhere. I mean, you know, one funny thing about it is what, the first time I went through a checkpoint between uh, Ben on my way going up to Eagle Pass, I got stopped at a at a border crossing, which was weird to me because it was like 30 miles from the border. And the game warden, not the game wardens, but the uh, oh, the border patrol stopped me and asked me what was my business, and I said catching coyotes. And he looked at me very funny. He goes, "No, that's our business, not a civilian's business." And then I went to explain to him, no, I meant four-legged coyotes that eat deer. And he was like, oh, really? And we had a great conversation after that. But everybody you would think in this country that halfway pays attention to anything except just crazy crap that doesn't matter to anything would know what a coyote is. So Trump's explaining that a lot of these kids are brought in across the border from coyotes and they use that as a weapon to get other people to be during catch and release, which most people should know what that is because Trump's been fighting it and finally got it changed after about three years. But this is the quality of person that you're dealing with in the election. Coyotes, question mark. What does children being brought here by coyotes mean, question mark? Children brought here by coyotes, question mark. Coyotes, question mark. Children's are being brought here by coyotes, question mark, question mark. Oh my word, what children are being brought here by coyotes? Coyotes, question mark. Coyotes, question mark. Now, not the coyotes being blamed now, talking about a pure dumbass there. So somebody out there, for one, all these people have not been paying attention to anything, but I guarantee you they're probably voting. And then you've got some people that now think that, oh yeah, Trump, he's blaming coyotes for bringing children across the border, like the little four-legged dogs we trap. Did Trump just say children are being brought to the border by coyotes? I don't think the, the comment, these children being brought here by coyotes, so you know, it's the strongest argument here. Coyotes and a bunch of laughing faces because that's just so stupid. Did he just say coyotes, question mark? That is the American population 
that's going to be voting. Where have they been for six years? Where? And I guarantee you, all of these people on Twitter that are so freaking stupid that they don't even know what that is, think that they're politically intelligent. Our country needs help. I am willing to bet that if I were to take a poll among trappers, probably 95 to 98% would know exactly what Trump was saying. Not because we trap coyotes. Because I think you're more tuned in to the world around you. But there's a lot of people that are not. So is Trump going to win the election if our country is, because there wasn't one person that could explain what that was in Twitter. If our country is so ignorant as a people that you don't even know what coyotes are that bring people across the border, who knows? I have no idea how people can be this way. It's not like they're being locked in a closet. They've got the whole internet. They've got all of this social media. They've got all of the news and the fake news. They've got everything they can look at. And they don't even know what coyotes are that smuggle people across the border. It's just absolutely a shame. Now, before we get into the meat of the show, I want to thank our sponsors. We have the best sponsors in the industry. I truly believe that. I deal with every single one of these. I do business with every single one of these. And very rarely have I ever heard anybody say anything negative about any one of these because they're stand-up companies. They're good at shipping. They're good at prices. They're good at getting your stuff when you, you when you send your order in. You're not waiting on it for three or four weeks or a month or two months. You get it quick. And the first one of those is F&T Fur Harvesters. Everything you need for trapping, hunting with hounds, and predator calling. Guys, I don't know what you can find in the trapping industry that you could not find in the F&T catalog. And they've got it. And when you place the order, it's going out the door. And if you're if you're lagging behind in your preparations, that's something you need to know. Second sponsor is Oki Cable and Trap. He's out of Oklahoma. Stand up dude. Guy likes to horse trade. He's just he's just uh, 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 a joy to be around. He usually has a lot of weird stuff. Sells buckets, meat sometimes, glands, different things like that. He's got a full line of trapping supplies. He's got your back. You can trust Inoki. Then we have Funky Trap Tags and Supplies, which is also the sponsor of Manstrong podcast. I trust him so much that he's actually the person that I ship my products to to ship it to you. And I've had less issues with him shipping it, with me shipping it, because I'm not really set up to be a shipper. And he's got his own stuff. But the honesty... Because like when we, we settle up on what he sells of mine and, and, and different things like that, there's times I know it's not right in my favor and I try to get him to change it and he's so afraid that he may get a nickel he didn't earn, he would rather lose $100. That's unusual in today's world. So if you're looking for somebody like to deal with, that's Alan at Funky Trap Tags and Supplies. And lastly, Dunlap Lures. Jeff Dunlap, as most of y'all know, we're very close friends. We did a school together. We did a convention this year together. He makes really good lures. He's an excellent trapper. He's very smart. He really understands his animals. And he, under, and he takes all of that and puts it in bottles. So Dunlap Lures is a great place to get lures. And I'm saying that as a lure maker. Because if, if I didn't make my own, I guarantee you I know who I'd be buying it from, and that would be Jeff. 
I know I can trust what he puts in the bottle because he's he's not going to be making shortcuts and he's going to be building a quality product. Now I want to talk about one thing that you're going to start seeing in the trapping industry. Guys, I know a lot of times people get very anxious when they see products change. Not really the products, but what the products are in. Like my bottles for certain products have been the same with the same lids and everything for years. This year, I promise you what's in the bottle and what's in the jar is what's supposed to be there, but the jars and the lids and everything, hell, I wouldn't be surprised if you order Federales in three months and it comes in a bright yellow jar with a pink lid and uh, a purple label. Getting supplies from dealers, and I'm just not talking about me, I'm talking about everybody. The COVID, because all these businesses got shut down, everything got shut down over in China, got shut down in all these other countries. It has screwed up the supply system so freaking hard You've got lure makers, and in an industry like ours, I mean, we're, we're like the, you know, the end of a tit on a tick on a rhinoceros when it comes to the industries. I cannot imagine what this is like for somebody like Lowe's or Home Depot or something like that. Our little bitty industry, we're struggling to get bottles, caps, sprayers, stuff that has never been an issue everything's on back order everything's supposedly going to be run in a couple of months so i just want to let everybody know when you buy some stuff for me this year like i'm getting ready to bottle when my my next batch of mice come in i've got the bottles sitting here which are my normal bottles there's going to be a white lid on there now that may not seem like a big deal but i know how customers react to change there's nothing I can do about it. The the simply mice is just ground mice in the jar. The lid's gonna be different. I've had to order Federale's bottles and Claymore One bottles, which I do wanna thank all of y'all. Y'all have been so responsive to the Claymore One and Claymore Two that I'm, I'm right now I'm sitting in a pile of it given this uh, podcast. I've got Claymore Two on three sides of me with labels on there getting ready to go to Allen. But who knows what the bottle's going to be in another month and a half. Who knows what color the lid is. Now the product inside is going to be the same. But if whether you're buying stuff from me or from Jeff or from Minnesota or from F&T or wherever you're buying your stuff from, eventually you're going to start seeing some weird stuff show up. And I just don't want you to get nervous about what you bought it's it's not so much what's in there that's going to be it's not going to be different but the packaging is probably going to start looking a lot more wonky as this thing goes on cuz believe it or not lure sales and bait sales are going through the roof and we can't get enough of our standard stuff that we used to get so i just it's kind of like a public service announcement to trappers out there it is what it is, and there's nothing we can do about it. So you may get some of my stuff, like I said. I wouldn't be surprised if it's in a yellow bottle with a pink lid and a purple label on it before it's over with. It's just crazy. But you can have the confidence that what's in that bottle is what it's always been. It's just may It may look different. And not just from me, but from a lot of other people. So I had this question, and I thought about this, so I thought I would take a few minutes to cover something. I think this was uh, on Facebook, but I'm not sure. Guys, email is much better to get a hold of me, trappingart at aol.com or clint at wolfernation.com. It's much easier. I don't get on Facebook. I'll be honest. Uh, I'm, I'm really disgusted with Facebook. 
I don't get on Twitter, uh, Twitter because I'm so disgusted with that. Um, so I do get on there and I'll post some stuff every now and then. But if you're trying to reach me, Messenger on Facebook, I'll be glad to look at it once I think about going on there, which could be in two weeks or a month. And, and that, that's just the way that it is. But this question came in, and I'm pretty sure it was on Facebook. And a guy was talking about, can he run coyotes on a slide cable without the coyotes chewing up his slide cable? And I told him, man, no worries. You don't have anything to worry about. One-eighth inch cable, they're not even going to touch it. Uh, I've done a lot of this with even as far down as 560 force cable just because I had that on hand. So if you're thinking about running coyotes to a, a specific location to hide it from people, here's what happens when you put a coyote on a slide cable. Unless you put the trap with no chain directly to the base plate. Once you catch that coyote, this is what's going to happen. He's immediately going to start biting the trap. All the night footage, night footage, footage, uh, footage that I've seen, that's what the coyote does for the first two or three minutes. He doesn't really even pull against the trap. I don't think his, his mental capacity understands what's going on. It's very different with a bobcat. When you catch a bobcat, he's going to jump or try to six to eight foot in the air in about a half a second. But a coyote doesn't do that. When something comes out of the ground and bites him, he bites it back. He doesn't try to run away from it. He attacks it. And it's the trap itself. That's why when you see, just think about this, when you see traps that are all chewed up from a coyote or a coon, how come your chain always looks brand new? Because they don't touch the chain. They touch the trap. They chew on the trap that's actually got a hold of their, their paw. So when it comes to cables, you have nothing to worry about with running a coyote from a good location to a hidden location because after he sits there and bites on that trap and he tries to run away from it, which eventually he will, and he can't go one way, but he can go the other way, he's going to fly down that thing till he hits the end of it. And then he's going to start biting on the trap again, not the chain, and not the cable. I have not seen evidence of anything biting the cable when you're using it like you would on dry land, like you would in water, where you take them from one place to the other. So that's not an issue that anybody should really worry about. It's just not. Why would we want to do this? If you're if you're you're thinking, okay, they're not going to bite the cable. Why would we do this? Well, there's a problem depending on where you're at. With sometimes the best location is going to be seen by a lot of people or a few people that you really don't want to see it. And if you stake it, it's going to be right out in front of God and everybody. And you got people running around with guns, and you got trap thieves, and you got animal thieves. Not so much animal thieves right now with the fur prices, but you got trap thieves. And you're tempting that person to do something. And a lot of guys, and I've talked to deer hunters that have actually shot coyotes in my traps, and they did not know that it was in a trap. And I believed them because they were so embarrassed about it later. So think about it. Guy's going through the woods on a four-wheeler. All of a sudden, movement catches his eye. Way out there in the distance, there's a coyote acting crazy. They don't understand why. They're not trappers. 
they're sitting there with a 30-06 or, you know, 7-millimeter Magnum. They pull up on that thing. They see the coyote slow down for a second. They pull the trigger. They've killed a coyote. They've saved deer. They've done all of this stuff in their mind. They're a badass human. Then they go get the coyote, and they realize it's in a trap. Some people still won't care that it's in a trap. Some people will steal your trap, and a lot of people will leave it alone because they realized, oh my goodness, I just shot a, uh, a coyote that's in a trap. Not There's not very much sporting going on there. We talked about this. Jeff did more than I did at the school. See, I'm a, I'm a almost 100% drag guy. That way I can catch a coyote and he's going to be in cover most of the time. If I set close to the edge of anything, he's going to be in the cover, out of sight, out of mind for the most part. Now, it didn't always happen perfectly. Trapping never does. But let's say you've got a road and you've got a bunch of buffalo grass or high grass or CRP ground and you've got people that, that event you know, every now and then come hunt on this ground. But you got coyote scat in the road, you got tracks in the road, you plop in a good set and, and you got an option. You can stake it or you can drag it. Most of you, just percentage of people that I've talked to, don't trust drags because you haven't used drags enough, so you stake the animal down. Whether with something like a wolf fang, or you double stake it with some rebar, or whatever your method is, and you stake it right there. Well, before you get there, say you're, you know, you're, you're off doing your thing somewhere else, and someone else comes down the road, and now you've tempted this person with either killing the animal so they can take a picture with it themselves, or they could steal the trap, or they could maybe be against trapping, and they think that you're killing this animal or torturing this animal, which is silly, but a lot of people think that way. So they either try to release the animal or they shoot the animal, then they steal your stuff. And this causes a lot of heartache for trappers all through the year. Now see, that's part of the reason I use drags. The second part is I'm lazy, which we're going to get into in a little bit. If you're in this situation and you get in the habit of having a, a hammer with something solid, I used to use the bumper when I was using my Dodge truck and, I, and I've got a big bumper on my Jeep that's solid. Not, it's not a chrome bumper. I mean, it's one of those you can run into a tree with. And I can make up a slide cable on the spot in just a few seconds. So what I'll do is I'll go, well, I need to run him 10 feet. So I'll make like a 14-foot cable. If I'm needing to run him 50 feet and I've got a spool of wire, and if you buy it on a 5,000, I mean, a, at least a 5,000-foot spool, break it down to 1,000 foot or something so it's more manageable, cable's really cheap. <laughs> I can run that out there to the distance that I know I need. I can come back. I can put the lock on there, the sliding lock. And then all I need is two double ferrules with about three hits of the hammer on each one of those. And I've got something that a coyote is not going to be able to destroy. So I can catch the coyote on the edge of that CRP ground. I can run him into the CRP grass, especially if it's downhill from the road. And 99.9% .9 of people will never see the coyote. I can save that coyote. As much as important as that is, I can save the trap set. Especially if it's something like a blind, uh, not a blind, or it could be a blind set, or a flat set, something that's not showy, what people's not going to notice. All it's going to be is a divot out of the ground. There's nothing there for them to see. And the coyote's way far away. So there's not a big muddy circle. There's not anything to alert somebody that there's a trapper in the area. I can follow the cable down, dispatch the coyote, slide the trap back up the cable, set it back in the hole, blend it back in, 
And nobody is the wiser. But don't worry about the coyote chewing your cable. They're not. They're going to chew the trap. Just like they're not going to chew your chain, they're not going to chew the cable. It's. I know what people are thinking. You snare a coyote and it chews the cable. Well, most people, because most states have cable restraints, so you stake it into the ground and about two turns of the coyote, he turns around. The only thing there is the cable that's actually hitting him in the muzzle. He's going to chew on it. So they chew on a snare or cable restraint because most cable restraints are short. They have to be staked. And it's at the perfect place for a coyote to put it in his mouth. But if you put a trap on that coyote, he's going to chew the trap. Because the, the, he's thinking the, the trap's trying to chew him back. And he gets real aggressive. If you get used to putting these in, your first few will be slow. They will get quicker and quicker and quicker. Before long, you'll realize for me to run 50 foot of cable probably didn't cost a dollar. And if you're somewhere that's got decent coyotes at 50 to to $100 a piece, like the market's showing they're going to be, that dollar to save the, the, the you know, say average of $75 coyote is cheap. It's real cheap. I used to run, uh, when I lived in Dunlap, I used to run a piece of ground that had these guys that used to live around this great big strip pit. And they used to always hunt and run their four-wheelers and run their four-wheel drives on there. Well, someone bought the property. I had permission to be on there. But all the locals decided that since they've been doing it forever, they were not gonna they were not gonna not go there. They would cut down trees and build roads for four-wheelers and big trucks to go through there and go mudding and all kind of stuff. Well, no matter what the landowner did, there was always people in there at night. And there was obvious places that people were continually going. I got in the habit of running these slide cables for coyotes. And it's probably, if you've got thick enough cover, it's about 90% good, especially if someone's running at night. And it saved a tremendous amount of fur. Now, at the same time, I was really hammering the cats. So I would use these on cats the same way I would coyotes. I would catch them on the road where they were at, and I would just run them into thick grass or in bush or down over a ledge. And since especially a cat sits still until you put you lock eyeballs with him, the cat was safe. In Louisiana, on the side of the road, I would run cats behind berms. I would run them behind trees. I would run them behind uh, privet. I'd run them behind anything necessary to keep the cat away from just someone. Because cats are, you know, cats have a big allure. Cats have a huge allure to people. Everybody wants a cat. So I was hiding cats everywhere. And it worked great. I've never really done it with fox. But I see no reason why it wouldn't work. When we were in Arkansas last year and Haggerty from J3 comes down and Jeff came down with him, we came across a really cool otter slide. I mean, really cool. It was a, a toilet that had one slide going up to it. They were playing around, tearing everything up. So this is what Haggerty did because he's got some really cool locks that, he, that he's designed. He blind set the trail with traps and would run them off like 15, 20 feet away from everything. And lo and behold, we come up one morning and there's this great big old buck otter. It's 20 foot away from the trail, didn't destroy anything. We can dispatch the otter, run the trap back over to the otter trail, catch another otter. If you stuck it, if you stake that thing on the trail, 
you're going to have issues. You're going to destroy the trail. You're going to destroy the natural habit of the otter going up to the toilet. Now, a lot of people are be going, but that seems so clumsy and it's so awkward and it's so everything. Well, part of the reason I like drags. But if you get a thousand, if you get a five thousand foot spool of wire, put it on a thousand foot, even if you just buy a thousand foot roll, it's still relatively cheap. All you need to have with you is locks and double ferrules, cable cutters, and like a three or four pound sledgehammer so you don't have to sit and whack on that thing forever. And you can set these up customized for your location, no matter where you're at, and you can hide whatever you need to hide wherever you want to put it. It's a really cool thing when you start doing it. Now, the other thing I want to talk about earlier, I said I'm trying to be as lazy as possible. Guys, we talked about this at the school a lot. And I want you to think about this. Some of you have already started trapping. Uh, us in the South, that is not, it's not time for that yet. Uh, I probably won't start till about, I don't know, after Thanksgiving. Just because of fur quality. When you're trapping, everything you do, I want you to do yourself a huge favor. I want you to understand that one of your biggest jobs of being the most productive trapper you'll ever be is to be the laziest trapper you can be while being the most efficient trapper you probably ever will be. See, like when I talk about drags, they're faster to put in than stakes. More than that, I don't have to touch a hammer to beat in a stake. Now, there's some great stakes on the market. The wolf fangs you get from F&T, you can run them things into a railroad bed of gravel. They're amazing. But it's also high energy. When I throw a drag out and just have to cover a couple of foot of the chain, a lot of things happen when I do that. One, I'm not beating in a stake. I just throw the saber tooth out. I dig out a trap bed. I either use a dirt pattern or I blend it in depending on what the set is. I leave. When I come back with a drag, maybe one out of a thousand catches will they destroy anything about your set. Let's compare that. So before I say that, so when I take the animal out of the trap, I go back to my perfectly trap bed that I've already dug that's not full of mud not full of pee, not full of blood, where I dispatch the animal. I bed it back. I cover it up or I blend it in, whatever I'm doing. And I go about my business. Now, let's say you're not going to do that. And I'm not saying everybody should use drags. I'm just saying think about what you're doing you put a stake in, you've got to beat the stake in. There's a lot of energy involved with that because I know because back when I was running hard, 15 years ago, running from state to state to state to state, trying to catch everything that walked, I would have to get quarter zone shots in my elbows just to make it through the season from beating that hammer. The energy over beating in thousands of stakes is off the charts. So 
I, fi I found a way with a good drag like Sabretooth that I don't have to do that anymore and my remakes are simpler and the animal hides itself most of the time. So it's a lazy thing that I do that actually made me a better trapper. I used to have a, a worker for me when I was in the pool business, his name was Edward. He was the laziest guy I have ever seen. I never fired him. I never got rid of him. Because what I learned was he was so lazy and so against any type of work, he would figure out the, the most amazing shortcuts to not have to do work. And I would learn from the laziest guy on my crew. Now, when it was time to work, it's like I had to sit there with a slave driver with a whip to get him to do anything. But he would always figure out an easier way to do something. And the easier it was, the less harder it was on the rest of us. The more happy we were, we still got the same amount of money. But I used his laziness to actually be more productive as a business. That's what I want you to think about with your trapping. If you have a trail with tracks in it, otter tracks, coyote tracks, fox tracks, cat tracks, I don't care what they are. Why would you put in a dirt hole set? A lazy trapper is going to put in a blind set and catch the animal. The non-lazy trapper may or may not catch the animal by trying to draw him off two or three feet away. It's a laziness that's productive. It's efficient. When I use snare supports, it's a form of laziness that's way more productive than anything else I've ever found. When I can go out in the middle of a CRP field and kill a coyote in nothing but grass with a kill pole, it's easier and it's more deadly. I mean, to me, the ultimate trap set that a trapper should be looking for is you can drive down the road at 15 miles an hour and have something, I don't know what it is because I ain't figured this out yet, something that you could throw out the window and it would land always on the right side and it would be the lure attractant and the trap blended in or dirt pattern, whatever it was going to be, and all you had to do was drop it. That's what I'm looking for. A portable pocket. I've got a DVD on it. You can see all kind of free videos on it on YouTube, on Wolfer Nation. That is a form of laziness that's hyper-productive. That's what I'm always striving for, is to be the most laziest, high-productive trapper in the world. You're, you're, you're coming down a trail and you see coyote tracks in the trail. What are most trappers going to do? They're going to beat in a dirt hole or a flat set. What if there's anything around you that you can smear lure on or put lure in that you don't have to physically construct and then bet a trap in front of it? It's going to be just as productive but you don't have to put in the completed set. You're not digging a hole. You're not cutting through roots. And the harder the ground is, the more this becomes important. Part of the way that I think the way that I do is back when I was doing so much summertime coyote trapping for control, the ground is like concrete. To put a dirt hole in South Carolina in the middle of August in red clay, you need freaking dynamite. 
or a quarter block C4 to be able to get that thing in. My auger would not even go a half inch into the soil. And I'm gonna to try to do that what, with a Yoho trowel? No. Everything you do, sit back and think about it, how can I be lazier? The lazier you are as a trapper that still meets the requirements to catch the animal, the more productive you're gonna be. That I promise you. Working harder does not make you more money just because you're working harder. Good example. When I was building swimming pools, we could have we could have dug those pools with a shovel. We didn't do that. We rented a 580 case backhoe. We could dig the pool in about four hours. That's the way I want you to think about your trapping. I'm going to try to get Dave Verts on here to talk about his snow trapping. He gave a demo up at uh, our convention. He's got some serious, lazy ways of trapping in the snow, and I think it is awesome. the lazier way to trap. Now we all kind of see this when it comes to lesser, uh, that's not the right word, uh, what we consider easier animals to catch. We've all seen where people can better trap in the, on the side of a creek bank and smear lure on the bank and catch a coon. Well, what is, what is, what is that person doing? They're not digging a pocket. They're being lazier, but they're still meeting the goal. That's what they're doing. So if you already are trapping or you're getting ready to start trapping, after every set, do yourself a favor, brother. Sit back and go, how could I have done that lazier? My BT-45 steel auger with the bit cost about $500. I've had to buy another one, a new one, about a year and a half ago. I had the other one for 10 years. Itemize that $500 over 10 years. It's nothing. It's pennies a set. But when I can put in a 20 inch dirt hole, 20 inch deep, four inch dirt hole in 15 seconds with no energy. And then if I'm doing a, a blowed out dirt hole, I can actually do my trap bed with it too. So I'm not having to scrape with a hammer. Yes, it costs money, but over 10 years, pennies for set. That was the most amazing buy I've ever made. It's a lazy way to put in a dirt hole. It's just quicker. Now, depending on your soil type, I was going all over the country with weird soil types, but if you're in an area that's more sandy and not so much red hard clay or really hard black gumbo or caliche or something like that, you may be able to get away with a good cordless drill and figure out a way in your truck to be able to charge batteries so you never run out. It's the same premise. It's just easier. Be the laziest trapper you can be. But still meet the requirements to catch the animal. You will be light years ahead of most people that work way too hard, use way too much energy to catch animals that have about the logical sense of the people that I talked about at the beginning of the show that didn't know what a coyote was. Animals have great instincts, but they're not that smart. They don't know if you spent 30 minutes on a set or 30 seconds on a set. It's not something they think about. 
So if you spend 30 minutes on a set and you work yourself to death, you're going to make the same amount of money off that animal as you are if you catch him in 30 seconds or a minute. Go for the minute, man. Just think about that. Be lazy. Be proud of it. Now, a few other things I want to talk about before we close. Caster, I heard Jeff say, and I hope he's wrong, but I heard Jeff say that the 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 thought is Caster could be up to close to $100 a pound. Now, keep in mind what that is, guys. Now, I need you to be realistic about this. Top Caster is very full sacks in more northern climates because it's sweeter smelling. But what do you do with it? This is where this is it's it's on you what you're gonna do with this. You when you dry caster, you're gonna be having that, you're gonna lose about fifty percent of the actual weight if you dry that caster correctly. So that means green caster is probably gonna be somewhere in the forty to fifty dollar mark. Put up cat. Now we're talking the best caster, not average caster, not every caster you catch, not every caster you pull out of a beaver. We're talking about the probably top ten percent. But that's a shit ton of money for caster. Beaver prices doesn't seem like they're going to be that high this year. At fifty dollars a pound of caster, a good mature beaver probably going to have what four or six ounces that makes that a 20 25 dollar beaver people kill themselves to catch 25 dollar beaver on regular years but i have a few things i want to tell you i've got a good friend i won't mention his name because he's very famous he sent me a bunch of caster down here and I admit, I cussed him. I called him up and I cussed him. All he did was whack off the whole glob of, of fat caster oil sacks in one thing and threw them in buckets. So I get two five-gallon buckets of, quote, caster. And when it was all said and done, it was about three and a half pounds. Out of ten gallons. And it took me days to go through that. Guys, if you want to sell caster, listen to Uncle Clint. If you want to resell your caster to somebody, it doesn't take but a second when you have your beaver laid out in front of you and he's on his back to take a very sharp knife or razor blade and kind of just cut the membrane that's on the outside of that caster. Once you cut it, you can use your fingers and pull it back, pull it around, pull the caster out and cut the caster. It takes maybe 15 seconds. 30 seconds to a minute if you've never done it. You're talking about a product that's $100, possibly a pound. And you can sell that easy. If you're gonna dry it, it's gotta be clean. If you're gonna sell it to a lure maker more than once, it has to be clean. That's your job. Because if you've ever tried to re-clean frozen and unfrozen caster, it is a complete slimy nightmare. It's like some, like, like a dinosaur blew a loogie on top of that and you're trying to get through all that sliminess to get the caster out it is it never works right you won't ever be able to sell to that guy again so if you're gonna catch beaver sell caster make sure it's clean the other thing is talk to the guy that you're gonna possibly sell it to ahead of time do you want it green or dried see here's the deal I think a lot of people, because of egos, they want to sell the highest price caster. I get that. 
I get it. But if you dry it and you lose half the weight, you're not really getting the full amount of that. But if a, a lure dealer, which most lure dealers, except for a few formulas that I know of, need dry caster, are going to want it green. If you're going to sell it to an auction house, which there's only one of now, they're going to want it dried because of the way that that gets handled between middlemen and middlemen and middlemen before it gets to the actual person that probably is going to be making perfume or Coca-Cola or something like that out of it. But if you're going to be selling to a lure dealer like me, or most lure dealers, they're going to want it green. They're going to want it clean, and they're going to want it green frozen. And most lure dealers, just so everybody's on the same page, this is what's going to happen when you sell caster. If I get a, a batch of caster in from a trapper, I'm going to thaw it out. I'm going to make sure that it's clean and there's not just globs of fat on there that I'm paying for that I can't use. And then I'm going to weigh it once it's thawed out and I see what it is. And that's what the poundage is. I've got a scale that I'm looking at right now that'll go to uh, half an ounce. And if you're dealing with a reputable guy, and you think you sold him $20 a caster, and he and he sends you a picture with your caster on the scale if there's a question with how much it is, that's probably what it was. It's harder when, when people want to sell it by the gallon because if it's frozen and then you throw fresh stuff in there, there's a whole lot of air that no one's going to pay for. So just, you know, I don't want people to get their feelings hurt when they go to sell this high-priced caster and may not get what they want. And a part of the reason most lure dealers do not want it dried is all we're, we're going to have to do is soak it in alcohol to get it back in the same condition it was when it was green before we can use it. Except for, there are a few formulas I know of on the market that actually shave it off for different reasons, and that's very few and far between. Same thing with your 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 cat glands, your your fox glands, your bobcat, uh, your coyote glands. Talk to the person that you're going to sell them to so there's no hard feelings down the road. Some lure dealers want to have foot pads. Some lure dealers want to have ear glands. Some lure dealers want to have the coochie. Some lure dealers want to have uh, part of a liver. Some want to you know, have different parts of the animal in there. You need to know what that is because if you if you sell to me... I pay a lot more for coyote glands, but all I want is about six inches of the gland where you cut around the bunghole and pull it out and cut it. I'm not using fillers in my booty call glands. So it does me no good to buy all this other stuff. So it's up to you, the marketer of your product, to find a market for that product, which is probably going to be a lure maker, and ask him what he's looking for before you start cutting stuff up. That way you're on the same page with the lure maker. Lure maker's on the same page with you. Y'all have the same idea about what each other's one sending and one's getting and what the price is going to be. There's good money in glands. The more you catch, it's just, a, it's just extra money. Now, another way, because the fur market is down, guys, when you throw beaver away, or bobcats away, the carcasses, because you're thinking just fur, you are losing quite a bit of money. If you learn how to debone the hams on a bobcat, that's quite a bit of meat. If you learn how to take out the back straps and the little bits you can get off the front shoulders, it doesn't take that many bobcats to fill up a five-gallon bucket. There's a market for that. Big market for that. 
I just picked up, uh, I guess it was close to 600 pounds in Virginia from Daryl and Albert from Texas Bobcats. Came home and ground them up. They're already preserved, got glycerin in them, waiting to get, just waiting to be used. I buy beaver from certain people, even though I catch them, I always need more. There's a lot of meat on a beaver in a five gallon bucket. What you need to do is figure out what you think it's worth and see if the, the person you're selling to thinks it's worth. Y'all come to an agreement on price and then if, if it's uh, deboned, it needs to be deboned. Some guys have these great big three-phase grinders, which I don't have, and they can run a whole beaver through there and they just buy it by the carcass. Bobcat, same way, it's cut the head off and run the whole thing through there. You need to know what it is that, or who you're selling to and what their needs are. But you guys that go out there and catch a couple hundred beaver a year, you're probably throwing away thousand dollars by throwing those carcasses out now you will need a freezer to put them in or if you deal with a uh, someone that you get to know and they get to trust you you could grind those up preserve them add glycerin let them taint to whatever they want to and it's actually worth more money then than it is in just whole meat but the first time you deal with somebody, they're probably not going to trust you very much to do that. But once you get a relationship built and they know that you're going to do what you say you're going to do, you can actually have a pretty good market there for this stuff. There's certain lures on the market, not me personally, that, that use mink. Uh, muskrats. Muskrats are good meat. There's always a market for muskrat meat. Talk to the Amish people around you when a horse breaks its leg. There's a lot of five-gallon buckets on a, heart, on a horse that you didn't cost you anything just to spend a day getting off. Because unless you're making five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a day doing whatever it is you're doing now, that ain't a bad weekend. A lot of money in meat. I go through pallets of meat plus freezers full of myself. A lot of other lure dealers do the same thing. Now, a couple of other things that are a little bit lighter I'm going to close with. Um, if you're running water lines, guys, it's starting to cool off. Catfish are starting to firm up. Their meat's starting to get firmer again. Good grief, dude. If you, if you know how to run yo-yos or limb lines or trout lines for catfish, don't bypass that when you're going out in a boat or a canoe. Dude, it, it's... I love going out on the river and catching beaver and coyotes and fox and cats. But what it really gets me excited is when I go up to a trout line that took me 10 minutes to put in and I bring in 200 pounds of meat that's at the store $5 a pound. So just keep that in mind when you're out there. The last thing is after talking with Jeff about his ATV, he made because I was because I'm thinking about getting one because some of the jobs I go on and stuff. He was very pertinent that I knew that he I needed a radio. And I was, you know, I like music. I mean, you know, if I want to listen to any place to place, I guess I put headset on or whatever. But when we were at the school, this is where it became fun. We're going from one location to the next location, talking about trapping. And Jeff puts on Apocalypse Now. And if you're young, you need to go watch that movie because this probably doesn't make any sense to you. But if you're older, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How cool is it to roll up on a coyote with Apocalypse Now blaring out of your radio? pretty freaking cool so that's the wisdom of jeff if you're gonna get a you know one of these side by side things get a radio in there have some fun with it
if you're into that type thing, if you're, you know, don't like having fun, I guess it wouldn't matter to you. But seasons are getting ready to start. Some I already have. Guys, the fur market is up in the air. No one really knows at this point what's going to happen with prices. A lot of people, you know, there's a lot of negative and there's a lot of people saying whatever. No one really knows yet. I think if Trump wins the election, I think a lot of stuff in the world is going to calm down a little bit. I think markets are going to get back on track. I think a lot of the scare of COVID is pretty much getting washed away. Who knows? I don't know. But I do know if you don't have it, you can't sell it. If you don't have it, you can't sell it. And I know I've talked to several people over the years that get disgusted with fur prices. They don't really do a whole lot. Fur prices come up in January because that's when the market probably starts settling down, March or February. And they didn't really do anything and they realized they could have caught a whole bunch, made a lot of money, but they didn't. Trapping is like trying to time the stock market. You can't. You can make some educated guesses, but you really can't. But you can't sell what you don't catch. And keep in mind, when you're catching this stuff, be the laziest trapper you can be. Still meet the requirements of catching the animal. And then it'll seem like you're just making more than you ever did before because you're not as tired. You're not as worn out. And you'll probably start having fun because you're going to start using the muscle between your ears more than the muscles on your body. So I hope this helped someone out there out when it comes to trapping. Y'all go get them, tear them up, have a good time, enjoy being outside, and realize how amazing it is that we get to do what we get to do on a day in and day out basis when most people get to stare at cubicles all day long. And I will talk to y'all next week.